Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. I thought I'd help you guys out tonight. Some um, Christmas helpful tips, all right? The survey says that 59% of Aussies are happy to receive a gift card for Christmas. So that means if you buy a gift card for someone, there's only a 41% chance of someone regifting your gift. Possibly accidentally back to you. The busiest day of the shopping calendar is actually the Saturday before Christmas. So that's Saturday, the 22nd of December. So don't go shopping on that day. Instead, why don't you join Pastor Andy to go caroling on that day? All right? So don't, you don't have to put up with all the car park troubles. And last one, shoppers who are single will make impulsive purchases 45% more often than married ones. So it's a good idea to get married. <laughs> Apparently, it saves you money during Christmas. All right. But jokes aside, you know, Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. We see family, we sing carols, we give each other gifts. And, you know, it's, it's a wonderful time of the year. It's holidays and um, there are many things that happen during Christmas. But one thing that I love is we actually retell the Christmas stories, right? And one of that account is the story of the wise men. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, okay? And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened the treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, there were three gifts in this story. There was never any account of how many wise men there were, but it was all based on the number of gifts, so we always account for three wise men and three gifts. So tonight, I just want to talk about three types of people and three gifts from God. All right? Awesome. So come Christmas time, people are normal. Let's get it down. The three types of people, you're either number one, overwhelmed. <laughs> this is after 99 times of being the bridesmaid at the wedding. All right, very overwhelming. Or number two, you'll be overexcited, like this. Finally, after five degrees, you decided I'm not going to be a professional student. Or number three, you're a teenager and you're over it, all right? So, no one's normal. Someone is either over-passionate, over-anxious, or just over-teenager, all right? So, I've been, confession, each of these people over each of my Christmas journeys. I've been really excited about Christmas. I just got saved when I was 12. And you know what? We're going to dance. This is a light of mine. It's so exciting. Hold the traffic light. Yay, yay, yay. A few Christmases down the line. Oh, so tiring. So many parties. So many places to go. Or I became a teenager and then it was like, yeah, yeah, nah. All right? But I just want to talk about three gifts for these people this Christmas. Maybe, like me, you're one of those people tonight. Maybe you're overexcited about Christmas, a lot's coming up, you're involved in a lot of things. Maybe you're just overwhelmed because you've got too many things, too many things to do, too many things to organize. Or you just don't have a revelation of what Christmas truly means and therefore you're just indifferent towards Christmas. All right? Number one, God's gift this Christmas is the gift of peace. Peace. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 29, verse 11, that the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. No, is this you? 
Christmas is busy, 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 go, 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 next, next, next. Have you got an opportunity to actually take some time to rest and reflect about the true meaning of Christmas? You know, this time of the year can really be a time that's really going to set you up for a strong start to 2019 or a time that you're just going to play catch up. Because, you know, sometimes when you go on a holiday, you need a holiday to recover from the holiday, you know. And I'm just praying for you guys that this Christmas will be a time of rest, a time of peace, right? The peace of God surpasses all understanding. And I know that because we have a lot of decisions to make in life, right? This month, you can be making a lot of big choices about your life. Where to go, whether to stay, whether to stay single, whether to get married, have kids, buy a house. A lot of things that affect your future. But the Bible says the peace of God surpasses all understanding. So make sure you go back to God before you make your big decisions in life. Don't make them on impulse, right? Especially if you're single, 45% chance worse, right? But let's finish 2018 strong and start 2019 stronger. Amen? Christmas is also a great opportunity for you to bring peace into someone else's life. You know, you can only bring peace if you yourself are peaceful. If you choose to decide to slow down and actually have time to notice people, right? God will bring people this time of the year, people that we don't normally see. Maybe it's your family, your extended family, your friends, your neighbors, they come over, you eat together. And that's an opportunity to actually bring peace, godly wisdom into people's lives. You know, people are constantly searching for wise counsel. Unfortunately, they're going to the wrong places. Now, God has placed you where you are in that specific family, in that specific neighborhood, in that specific job, because you're the beacon of peace, you know? Peace is a gift. Rest is a choice. But peace is a gift that is to be received and then to be shared. Amen? Number two, the gift of grace. Everybody say grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not the reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And I love that. Because you know what usually happens in Christmas lunches? You always have that one person steamrolling everyone else, sharing about their whole 365 days, right? The one that dominates all the discussions, doesn't listen to anyone, can't interject. Let's not be that person this year, all right? You know, listening is also a gift. You know, let's grace people with our attention. Let's grace people by sometimes remaining silent, all right? <laughs> I'm talking to myself here. I know, I know. All these people, yes, I will learn to be silent. Amen. Christmas is an opportunity to reflect on God's grace. You know, as we receive God's grace, we can also share His grace. Maybe it's a time where you can forgive someone who has wronged you. Maybe reconcile with a family member that you decided long ago that you'll never speak to again. You know, forgiveness is a choice. Grace is a gift that we receive and grace is a gift that we have to share. And finally, gift of love. I love this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If you do not truly know God, you do not truly know true love. And I want to challenge that to you tonight, right? God's love is unconditional, right? He loved us and he chose to send his son to die for us when we were at our worst. Just imagine right now your worst moment. We, we know when we're really angry, when we lose it, that's when he chose to die for you. That's who he chose to die for. Amen? Love is a choice and God's gift of love is to be received and to be shared. So this Christmas, can we do that, church? Can we share the gift of peace, the gift of grace, and the gift of love? Amen. God bless you. Awesome. That was great. Thank you. Fantastic. How are we? Get this tag team thing happening. It's pretty cool. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah, and Alex and I run the uh, Lynbrook campus, and we're very excited. Where are you? Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to be better than that. That's all right. All right. Well, we have a Christmas tradition in our house that started many years ago, and we usually put the tree up around the 1st of December. We're not the early tree putters up, uppers, November, but um, 1st of December, and we like to decorate it. I have a collection of decorations, of ornaments that we've got over the years when we've been away overseas, you know, some sentimental handmade things. Who's got those ones that, you know, your kids made when they were three years old? You still hang on your tree. Got those. I also put tinsel on my tree. I know some people don't like tinsel. I think a tree is not finished unless it has tinsel. I'm sorry for those who get offended at that. That's all right. I'm, I'm owning it. And then we put the Christmas lights on. Now, this is a bit of a trauma in our house because there's only one person who's allowed to put the Christmas lights on, and that is Alex, because they have to go in a certain way, and I have been known to destroy the tree by putting them on the wrong way. So... Alex is in charge of the Christmas lights and they go on and they go, whatever, it's, it's long and convoluted. So we put the tree on, we put the lights on, the lights are on the tree. And the last thing to go on the tree is the star. Now, we have a daughter who used to be small, you know, when they're little, they're about this big. And when she was small, Alex would lift her up to put the star on the tree. And that was all well and good. Well, she grew, didn't she? And so... I've got a couple of photos for you here. Let's put the first one up. This is when she was 15. So there she is. It got from lifting up to on the shoulders. And then now she's 19. So let's have the next one. That was last year. So that was the good one that we kept. But then I kept snapping photos. Let's go to the next one. As you can see, it's taken its toll on Alex. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I had to just show that. She's actually a little bit, bit too big for that now. But you know what? She's coming home on the 19th, and again, she will go on the shoulders. So if you don't, if he's got a bad back the next week, you know, hey, that's it. Excellent. So we always leave the star till the very end because that finishes off the tree. That is the important part. That is the, the finisher of the tree. It goes on last. And tonight, Clinton, Nathan and I are talking about the Christmas story. And while that's a great story of Alex's saw back, it's not the true story. That, it is a true story, but it's not the important Christmas story that we're talking about tonight. So 
if you read in Matthew 2, actually where um, Clinton read from, I'm just going to read a few verses about the first star, the star that is the reason that we put that star on the tree. So let me read from Matthew 2. We're going to start from verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And then if we skip down to verse 9, it says, After this interview that was with Herod, the wise men went their way, and the star that they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. So this passage, ordinarily, we focus on the three wise guys, I mean, wise men, and, um, and Clinton did talk about the gifts that they brought, we focus. But tonight, I just want to have a little look at the star of the show, the star. And I believe that God has called us all to be stars for him. So tonight, let's have a quick look at what this star can teach us. So verse 2 says, the wise men saw the star rising in the east. It was bright. They couldn't miss it. It was up in the sky, obviously. That's where stars are. And it was really, really bright. And the light of Jesus needs to shine out of us. Matthew 5 verse 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. So our lives need to reflect the life of Jesus. So sometimes we think, why am I in this job? Why am I at this university? Why am I in this school? No one knows God. I'm in complete darkness around me. But you are the light in that place. You are not put in that place so that you can feel self-righteous because everyone else is evil and you're good. They haven't been put there so that everyone's going to just annoy you. You've been put there so that you can be the light, the light that shines Jesus to those people. Sometimes you might be the only thing, the only light of God that they ever see. So we have to be the light. Verse 9 says, the star guided them to Bethlehem where Jesus was. So it led them somewhere. So God has called me and you to be the head and not the tail, to lead the world and not to follow it. We have something in our lives that people want. They need what we've got. They may not know it, but they need it. Why would you want to be the tail of anything anyway? If you think about it, the tail is close to the bad end of things. It stinks. It's not nice. You don't want to be there. And sometimes you want to have your head at the other end because then you're upwind, not downwind, where you don't want to be. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm doing everything I'm following. You're following the things of the world. You're going out. You're doing what everyone else is. And you think, why does my life stink? Well, that's probably why, because you're the tail, not the head. So we need to actually get out there and we need, our life needs, lives need to point to Jesus rather than away from him. And verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were filled with great joy. They bowed down and worshipped. Does your life fill those around you with great joy? Do people want to be around you or do they see you and they cross to the other side of the street? Are you Bible bashing Bob or maybe long faced Larry? 
Or you might be negative Nora or Claritic... Critical Clarissa. That's a bit of a tongue tie, isn't it? Or maybe you're just self-focused Sam. Not saying anything against any Sams here, just so you know. Nobody likes hanging around those people. Our lives should be reflecting the glory of God and attracting people. Our lives need to be like a bowl of peanuts. Have you ever started eating peanuts? Once you have one, you can't get enough of them. You just keep eating them. And as you eat them, you get thirstier and thirstier. And so we need to be those kind of people that attract others, but then they get thirsty for the thing that's in our life, Jesus, and we can point them to that. When they saw the star, they were filled with great joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. So if we're to be like the star... Our chief aim in life has to be to point people to Jesus. Thank you. So good. Good evening, church. That's the third good evening. That's a lot of good evenings. See, but how good is what we've already heard about the Christmas story? And it is very much about those things that Clinton was talking about and what Sarah was talking about, how we're called to point towards Jesus, but this is all possible because God became accessible. When we read the Christmas story, we see that God came down in the form of Jesus, and as we read in Luke chapter 2, we pick up the account of the shepherds. In verse 8, it says this, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the, radiant, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, uh, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I often pause and I think about this scene. It's like you're just minding your own business, looking after the sheep. And the thing about shepherds is they weren't the highest rung of society. They weren't sitting in their palaces. They weren't all that comfortable, although sometimes some rocks might be softer than others. But they're out in the field at night looking after sheep. These guys wouldn't have owned much. They would have been employed and they would have been paid a wage. And so here we have a bunch of shepherds in a field and the glory of heaven appears to them. And this breaks all kinds of rules because the glory of God exists in the temple. And usually the people who experience the glory of God is a couple of people right at the top of the tree. The highest of priests get to go in and experience the glory of God. But in this moment, and this sort of starts to explain why the angels are so excited in this moment, because the glory of God appears in a field to shepherds. And they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. See, the the angels here are declaring the significance 
of the birth of Jesus from what they could see. It wasn't to the top of the tree. It wasn't to the people who were assigned and in line and allowed to see that kind of thing. But it was actually to a bunch of shepherds in a field. And they say this, glory to God. The interesting thing is where there's glory, there is peace. If you read these two lines, they basically match up. So where there's glory, there's peace. The glory is the coming restoration of all things, the complete harmony that was created in the beginning. God was now starting to see this full restoration come through in Jesus. There is a reuniting of heaven and earth when all of a sudden the glory of heaven is revealed in a field and it's starting the process of a recreation of heaven and earth. And all this so that there would be reconciliation between God and his people with whom he is pleased. This is what the angels saw, peace on earth. Now once this would have been understood that this was the descendants of Israel, that his people, but we see a couple of lines earlier that the angels say to all people. And if we flick later on into, we won't turn there tonight, but in Acts we see the disciples, uh, the apostles after Jesus is resurrected, they actually come to the same realization that he has actually been revealed to all people and that his peace will be made known on the earth. So this is an astounding moment because it's breaking all of the rules. And at this point of history, the glory of God was being released on the earth. But there's still a distinction here. And it says to people whom he is pleased. And this distinction is vital because we read in Hebrews 6 that it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please him. And what is faith? It's believing in him that he exists and earnestly seeking him. That's what faith is. So why do some people please him and others not? Because faith is a choice that requires the surrendering of what we think we know and the pursuit of what is freely available in Jesus. See, there's this, there's this game called Snatching Santa. You might have other names for it, but it's, it's horrible. So everyone buys a present. You take one at a time from the middle, and then people can steal your present. Has anyone, has anyone experienced this? You know what I'm talking about? So you go around a circle, and... Normally, if there's a younger person in this game, they always go for the bigger box. But one thing you'll realize that in this game, someone has got a really big box and put something really ridiculous in the bottom of it and wrapped it up. It's a fake present. But the kid will always go for the biggest box. Now, the sad thing about this, you get to the end of the game and you're sort of looking around the circle and you want everyone to have a pleasant experience, particularly the younger ones who are playing this game, and you go up to the younger one and you're trying to convince them to swap with you because you know your present's a good one because you saw who put it in the circle to begin with, so you know what it is. And then this kid's got the biggest box and you're trying to convince them to swap for something a little bit smaller and in their heads they can't actually compute that they're about to be tricked. And to wrap this back into our decision to follow Jesus, sometimes we feel like we're holding the best thing that we can possibly have, but God is offering us something so much more. 
In the big box, we can be full. But in this moment, what's being offered to us freely is to switch out this big thing that we think we're holding, that we've created out of our own strength and our own uh, effort. And he's actually offering us something so much more. See, the shepherds didn't just hear about it and acknowledge it. If we keep reading in verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. Let's see, because we've heard from the Lord. See, there was an action. There was a response to what they had heard. Josh, if you want to jump up for me, that'd be awesome. See, they responded in faith to what they had heard. And as a result, they were changed forever as they returned to their fields. As we keep reading, if we skip down to verse 20, the shepherds, this is after they go, they see Jesus in the manger. They're filled with joy. They're filled with wonder. They go and tell everyone they can find. But then it says this, the shepherds in verse 20, the shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was as the angel had told them. The challenge is not to hear it, but to go and seek after Him. Because as we seek after Him, that is the action of faith. See, I I don't just wanna be a Jesus acknowledger this Christmas, but I wanna be a Jesus follower this Christmas. See, we can get so wrapped up in, yeah, here's the story, isn't it nice? You got the three wise guys, you got the shepherds, it's really cute, and it's like a nice little manger. This, this is as the angels declared, this was a pivotal moment in human history where the separation between heaven and earth was starting to break open through the person of Jesus. So as we come into this place, we're praising and we're glorifying His name because of what many of us have seen and heard and pursued. It's the wonder of salvation. It is the miracle of salvation which happened, which started in this manger, in this manger. And for those of us who would say that we're followers of Jesus, when we come into this season, it's just not just a nice time where church seems easier because I know the stories. But we need to constantly find ourselves in awe of the fact that the God of the universe crossed the divide to come to earth so that we could be reconciled with Him. That is the miracle of our salvation. That is the miracle of our restoration. See, in this there is life and life to the fullest. This is the message of Christmas, that there is grace, there is peace, there is love. And in that we can experience and we can give it when we first realize that we can approach the manger. We can approach Jesus. God was no longer distant in a room that was blocked off, but we could approach Him freely. So the challenge is out for those who've heard this story. I've grown up in church. I've been through Sunday school. I know the answer to every single question. 99% of the time it's Jesus. Barry's not in the room. It's a spoiler. It's all good. See, but it's the, we can so easily miss the wonder of this miracle that was seen and, and shared by groups of people at various times. And 
where God crosses the divide and ends up in a field and says, hey, shepherds, come and hang out because now the Savior is accessible to you. So if you're in this place and you've made the decision that Jesus is Lord, be stirred again. Be stirred again. Don't let this moment just sort of shift and say, oh, that was nice. We heard it again. We'll hear it again next year. But this is the point of human history where everything changed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.